This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnieman. And I'm Mindariwal. And welcome to The Loop. Min, I have a treat for you. Okay. We're not talking about politics on the show this week. I don't believe you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, we live in Alberta. There's always politics to talk about. Yes. Um, But we've been doing a lot of it lately. And I promise we're going to go right back to that because there's a lot going on right now in Alberta politics. Yeah, it's it's been a week. It's been a week. And we will be checking it out as it continues to unfold because these stories are far from over. But this week... We're taking a little pause. Sure. Because it's Halloween. Um, it is. And I would like to be scared by things that are actually designed to scare me and not just the world. <laughs> Min, how do you feel about Halloween? Uh, you know what? I haven't, uh, I wasn't warming up to it this whole week, but. Um, I, do you usually warm up to it? Like, I, is it normally a thing so. for you? I, yeah. I think so. I think we, you know, we get into it. When you have a 15 year old and a 12 year old running around the house, I ah, think yes. you have to kind of be into it. And uh, I kind of got called out by my daughter uh, a couple of days ago, like, um, you know, dad, maybe we should put something up. <laughs> as, as in, like, maybe let's hang something from the tree and make it kind of scary oh my uh, and uh, get into the spirit. So um, I think in the next couple of days here, yeah. well, that's all we have left. Yeah, something's going to have to happen. So we'll we'll be digging out some of the uh, decorations. It's funny because I was thinking about our different experiences of Halloween, and yeah. I feel like we it's a very different holiday for both of us. You have expectations. I, I do. I have a pair of cat ears that come out every year when I can't find anything else. Yeah. I mean, I have a curly <laughs> wig and, uh, you know, a Jason mask that I pull out too. Yeah. So, I mean, I do wear that sometimes to scare the kids at the door. Of course. And so, uh, and I think at home we, we'll probably watch maybe, you know, like uh, the kids haven't watched some of those classic slides. Slasher oh, okay. Halloween movie, so I'm gonna have to scare the bejesus out of them. Do you have on a Saturday. favorite? Like I would say, like Halloween or Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger. One of those movies are. Oh yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think it was. Oh yeah, and yeah. then come November first, Christmas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's depending on where, what store you go to, it's already out there. Yeah, exactly. We gotta we gotta soak up the Halloween while we can, yeah. which is why this week mm-hmm. we're doing a Halloween show. We're looking at a massive Spooky. Halloween mystery, right? And when I say massive, I actually mean literally physically massive. And then we're also gonna see how far I can stretch this Halloween metaphor um, through the episode because we're <laughs> gonna talk about something that's missing downtown. Mm. But first, Min, you've got some spooky joy to share with us. Yes, because um, you took some time this week. You caught up with a family in town, the Mackesses, who take their enthusiasm for Halloween to a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's great to see, um, you know, folks like this out there. They, they certainly do. Ben and Teresa and their boys, Mateo, who's eight, and Braylon, who's 11, absolutely love this time of the year. They live in the West End, and like clockwork every year, they, you know, pull out all of these decorations. They have a ton of them. You know, uh, a coffin, a uh, head on a stake. Uh, it's like it's some like real some spooky, spooky stuff. stuff. Yeah, yeah, stuff hanging from you know the their awnings and things like that. And they are getting right into it. Here's Ben and Teresa on why they love this time of the year. And uh, these two actually met on Halloween, so this is their day. Before we had, we were married and had kids. We actually uh, had some uh, pretty good displays. Like we'd we'd have some friends over, and I think we'd put in a good. 20 to 30 hours. Yeah, 25, 30 hours decorating our uh, front yard and the house. We have a big Halloween party. That was before kids. After we had kids, things kind of fizzled out a bit with the decorations. Slowly, we've we've uh, been building up our uh, stock of decorations and animatronics and all that stuff again over the last last few years. So and our kids are 
pretty uh, pretty gun about Halloween. I love to decorate, and you know, Ben just kind of follows with the decorations, and then we both love to get dressed up, and yeah, it's just fun. It's like we're kids at heart, and now especially, I mean, both kids, but especially Braylon, he's taken on quite the interest in all things to do with Halloween, and his bedroom is pretty much Halloween decorated year-round, really. He kind of leads the way now with uh, decorations outside, for sure. I love, one, a Halloween romance story. Beautiful. Isn't that crazy? But also how it's like transcended the generations, yeah. right? Like they're a Halloween family. Yeah, I don't think you have a choice in that household. Like you are, you you're either into Halloween or you're gonna have to go to Grandpa's house. I think for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, Grandma's exactly. House. But uh, yeah, their sons Mateo and Braylon absolutely share this this love for Halloween. So Braylon, who's 11, told me that he watched all of the Halloween scare movies, the slasher movies. Oh my god! And he loves them so much, in fact, that he's dressing up as Michael Myers this year. Plants to scare people oh my on gosh. Sunday night. Here's here's Braylon on uh, on his plans for Sunday. This on this Sunday's gonna be different. I'm gonna probably trick or treat for almost the whole time till like nine o'clock, and then at like nine thirty to ten or whatever, I'm gonna trick. I'm gonna scare people. We have a hanging zombie on the window, and the creepiest thing we have is not put out until Halloween night. I mean Halloween morning because I don't want it to get stolen. So it's it's called Nightcrawler. He's an animatronic that moves. He has a long face and his eyes glow. And then when you like, when you walk towards him, he jumps at you. It's not a spider person. Like it has, it has like a creepy, like a long monster face. And then, okay. and then like, like kind of like a spider. A normal person body, but like a, the position of a cat. I love how we're getting like a <laughs> Halloween haunted house tour. Oh yeah, and the the detail, the attention yes. to detail, and these animatronics are no. I got scared by one on a walk the other yeah, night. Yeah, some of them look like uh, pretty really realistic. Putting my like non carved pumpkin to shame, and they're not. He's not putting it out until Sunday. This is really cool, and so he's the older brother. He's how the older brother, little Mateo. Yeah, Mateo is eight. He has not seen, I don't think, those Halloween slasher movies, which I'm kind of. <laughs> I, hope I hope not. Yeah, um, but he's dressing up as a, a DJ Marshmallow character. So I don't know if you've ever seen this. It's a guy with a marshmallow head, X's on the eyes, but he's like a DJ, cool guy, mm-hmm. very mellow. Yeah, so he's not into scaring people. He'd much rather collect candy, like Fair. most normal eight-year-olds, yeah, right? Same. And uh, although their uh, Halloween setup uh, is working already, he says uh, it has scared the little girl who lives across the street. I think we've done this like every year, every single year. But like every year, like starting when I was about one, it wasn't too advanced. But every every year and year, every year that goes by, it gets more advanced. There's a little girl, uh, about a year younger than me, seven, and she lives across the street. And I tried to scare her and lie to her, and said there's. And I told her about Nightcrawler and said there's a special button that makes him chase chase after the first person he sees. And she was screaming and crying. <laughs> oh my God! She was screaming and crying, and I lied to her. Mateo, I mean. <laughs> Bonus points for an effective Halloween display. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, they, these guys are super into it. But yeah, it's working. So uh, he's pretty excited about that. He's also a budding hockey player. And um, so he told me about the kids on his team. They don't pass all that much. It's a bit of an issue. Apparently, uh, they've got some incentive for the players to, to kind of, uh, you know, play better. And mm, okay. uh, here he is on, on what that's uh, going to involve. I'm going to be really tired. Because I have a hockey game right before Halloween. In my hockey team, um, we're not really 
like advanced and good at, at passing. So my dad is a head coach. We're gonna buy that mini fifty pack chocolate uh, box, <laughs> and for each time a player passes, they they get one of those mini chocolates. I mean, hopefully it works. I, yeah. I'm I'm very food motivated, so uh, one of those mini chocolate bars does a lot for me. But <laughs> yeah, what, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, how many people are on his team? Kids are on his team, maybe a dozen, and there's 50 candies. They'll all be passing. They'll oh, yeah. all be uh, they'll all consuming be sugar high. Yeah, half a dozen candies each. I love so it. So they'll be buzzing, as the kids say. Well, thank you, Min, for this Halloween joy. Now I feel like I need to step up my own decor. Oh, I do. Yeah, you saw the pictures. I mean, their their front yard looks amazing. Yeah, and, and so far you have nothing. <laughs> Ever since Home Depot introduced their twelve foot skeletons, I see them everywhere. I mean, if nothing else, they're kind of hard to miss. But one in the city has, in fact, gone missing. A giant 12-foot-tall skeleton was stolen from Haddo, a neighborhood in the southwest. And this is seriously crunch time for Halloween decor. But what's even worse is this particular 12-foot skeleton had a higher purpose. In fact, Kenny Davidson has decorated his entire yard for Halloween to raise money for the food bank. But he's joining us on The Loop this week to tell us about this particularly empty patch on his yard. Hey, Kenny. Hello. So uh, you're clearly a fan of Halloween, I think. Um, have you always been so into dressing up your yard? It's something that has kind of grown over the years, I guess. I, you know, looking back at some pictures, it just seems to be added to every year. Yeah, I, I enjoy it and I, I love doing it. So. Yeah. Can you give me a sense of this year's setup? Like what kind of spooky stuff have you got going on? Minus, of course, this missing skeleton. The skeleton, yeah. yeah. Um, so this year I've got two 25-foot spider webs with big, hairy spiders on them, giant spiders. Um, I also have a 12-foot blow-up Frankenstein monster. 25 Um, feet and 12 foot? So so 25-foot spider's webs, yeah. (laughs) They kind of come from my roof down to the ground and pegged into the ground, so they're they're pretty big. Wow. Um, (laughs) Then I I have another blow-up that's, that's just like a tableau scene with uh, a witch and some other spooky things and some spooky trees. And then for Halloween night, I have uh, animatronics things that I put out. So I've got a jumping spider. I also have a witch. I think I've got two witches, yeah. Just a, a ghost on a wire that goes from the roof across to a tree. And then I usually set up some smoke for Halloween night and some uh, some of those laser lights as well just to make things go. I mean, I have to ask, what do you love about Halloween? I don't know. It just seems to be a night where everybody gets out, despite the weather, and just has fun and enjoys themselves. And, like, kids arrive at the door and different costumes. The the mums and dads are in different costumes. It's just that everybody makes such an effort to have so much fun within the space of about three or four hours on one night a year. And it's just, I don't know, I I just think it's fun and so enjoyable and, you know, hand out candy, and it just gives everybody so much pleasure. Mm-hmm. And this particular giant skeleton, I mean, this has become a huge thing on the internet because these things are massive, and they take over people's yeah. yards, and, and they become kind of funny. But where did you get the idea to get one for your haunted setup? In, in September, early September, I think they arrived in Home Depot. Um, a few of my neighbors um, had been in Home Depot and started snapping pictures and then started sending me pictures saying, uh this would look great in front of this tree. And they even sent me a picture of the tree and tell me where to put it. (laughs) 
I was like, okay, I'll have a look at this. And then I realized it's like, this is $400, this thing. They said, oh, we'll help you fundraise. So we did a bit of fundraising with uh, GoFundMe just in the local neighborhood. And a few of the neighbors and some family and friends donated some money. And we got the skeleton. I couldn't even get it in the box when I went to pick it up from Home Depot because it wouldn't fit in my car. It was so big. So I ended up having to unpack it at Home Depot and just place it in the car and all its little bits. This is really a community skeleton then. It is a community skeleton. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I've got to ask, when it comes to this mystery, it seems kind of hard to miss a 12-foot skeleton. So how did you actually find out that this was missing? It was stolen last Thursday evening. About uh, Really, it was very fast. 8.40, between 8.40 and 8.45, I basically disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, I have some video footage, but I left for work early on Friday morning. It was still a bit dark, so I reversed out my garage, just as you do, looking at the camera, the, the screen with the camera view. Right. And I never really paid any attention. And then I arrived in at work, and I got a text message from one of my neighbours, Nick, who uh, said, where's the skeleton? And I'm like, what do you mean, where's the skeleton? So at that point, I went and just checked my cameras, and yeah, it was gone. You have a camera, so do you know who might have taken him, or do you know if they... It, did it seem like a planned thing? It looks like it was planned, just because they seemed to know... To, to take it that quickly, they knew where it was fixed to the ground and everything else, and they even brought wire cutters and cut a wire. We definitely think it was planned. The police think it was probably planned. Yeah, I think they knew what they were doing. What went through your mind when when you saw that it was gone? To be perfectly honest, I felt really sick and nauseated for, for most of Friday because I just couldn't believe that somebody or, or someone would come and take a 12-foot skeleton that was there for Halloween entertainment for a neighbourhood. You know, people enjoyed it from the, from the day I put it up. Virtually an hour after I put it up, there was, there was kids stood in front of it having the pictures taken. So it was definitely a piece that was, uh, was noticeable and something that people were starting to enjoy. And, and it was also part of the reason you wanted to raise money for the food bank this year, right? So Perfect. what's happening with that? It was such an iconic piece that stood on the corner. Being such an iconic piece, I thought, oh, this will be great. We should take an opportunity just to see if we can get some donations for the food bank on Halloween night. So I, I put a sign up. Last Friday, I definitely felt a bit defeated and thought, oh, I'm just kind of fed up with this. And I, I even contemplated at one point in Friday just going home and taking everything else down and packing it away just because I felt so bad about what happened. I got home Friday night and thought, no, we're just going to, let's just do this. Let's, let's not let these people spoil it for anybody. So we're going to continue collecting for the food bank. I mean, as you said, this this is really a community skeleton. Like, this is something your neighbourhood came together to do. So how are your neighbours reacting to the theft? They, like me on Friday, were pretty angry about it and very kind of frustrated. And I think everybody's just in a state of disbelief that somebody have the nerve to come take such a thing. It's such a surprise. You know, people, people just don't believe it yet. You know, I think, like, how did this happen? Kenny, has this crime stolen your Halloween spirit? It did last Friday, but I think I've got it back. Yeah? Yeah, I've got it back. I'm not going to let them defeat my Halloween spirit because it's, it's a one, like I said earlier, it's one of those days of the year that I always enjoy planning for and I enjoy it when it happens. So I'm not going to let it defeat me. I'm excited and I think uh, 
everybody in the neighborhood's excited that we're just going to continue. Well, I wish you happy trick-or-treating, even sans skeleton. Yeah, well, hopefully next year, and uh, we'll have the skeleton. We'll have a skeleton back once Home Depot get them in stock, and I'll just have to find a heavier chain and some kind of tracker for it, I guess, just in case. Yeah, adds to the decor. It does indeed. Yeah. <laughs> Downtown Edmonton has some ghosts, and I I don't mean the scary kind. But as the city's core continues to change, there are some iconic sites and scenes that are disappearing, and some that may or may not come back. It's been four years since the Harbin Gate was removed to make way for the LRT. It was, of course, a huge feature of Chinatown since the late 80s, and is Edmonton's symbol of connection between us and Harbin, our Chinese sister city. In the last four years, there's been plenty of talk about bringing the gate back, but now there's a new proposal on the scene to resurrect the gate. But it's not that simple, because the city appears to want something else. And CBC's Ken Dawson joins us on the loop to get into it. Hey, Ken. Good morning. Hey. So what's new with the old gate? How'd you come well, across this? Well, first of all, I'm a, I, the only reason I'm on the show is because of my name, right? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a Ken-themed show this week. We love. We got Kenny. We got Ken. I'm going to rename Min. Ken Dariwal. He's going to love it. <laughs> Let's make that permanent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, how did you come across the gate? Because as we said, it's been a four years since it's been missing from downtown. Yeah, 2017 is when it came down. Well, yeah. I, I was at a recent uh, a media event on an, on an unrelated story, and then just across the street, I noticed, hey, that looks familiar. Uh-huh. And there were the pieces of the dismantled Harbin Gate just kind of peeking over the fence in a in a city storage yard in, in, in Parkdale. Sight. So that just, yeah, it kind of got me thinking, well, it's been quite a few years since it came down. There's been a lot of talk about uh, bringing it back or whether it should be brought back or mm-hmm. not. And it just got me thinking, where are we in, in that process? And at that media event, uh, Yasushi Oki uh, was there. He's a, a developer who's uh, working on a couple of things that we've uh, highlighted recently. As we were talking, he kind of just motioned across the street and he said, that is my next project. Ooh. He wants to bring back the old uh, Harbin Gate. Busy guy. Uh, so, yeah, just a little bit about uh, Oki. He's uh, the executive director of Green Violin. It's a nonprofit community development company. Uh, this Harbin Gate project, he says that fits into his philosophy of sustainable development through repurposing existing materials. And he says it's a way to get Chinatown vibrant again and bring more people to the area to enjoy the businesses and yeah. the community there. I mean, it's definitely a cool idea. So, so where does he see this gate going back? So he's proposing that the old gate be uh, refurbished. It's uh, suffered some wear and tear. It's been sitting out in the elements for a number of years in that storage yard. It needs a little (laughs) TLC. Despite sitting out there for that period of time, it's in pretty decent shape. He says there are a few tiles that need to be replaced and whatnot. And what he wants to do is not bring it back to the same location, but he wants it brought back to a new location. The old spot was across 102nd Avenue, just a little bit east of uh, 97th Street, because of the LRT work that was done downtown. That is the reason why it was uh, dismantled. So that old gate will not fit at the new location because it's just oh, not yeah. it's not big enough to span that uh, stretch of street like five now. lanes of traffic. Exactly. So what he wants to do is install the uh, the old gate as a sort of a western gate into the north Chinatown area. So it would span 106th Avenue at uh, 98th Street. Um, mm. He's envisioning this as kind of a bridge between Chinatown and uh, 
the areas uh, of the downtown that include the, the city's most vulnerable. Right, yeah. So a little bit of symbolism there. I mean, what do other people think about Oki's big idea? Yeah, clearly there is some support for this option. Han Leong is the chair of the Chinatown Transformation Collaborative Society of Edmonton, and uh, he feels there's a lot to like. It would be a symbolic monument that would allow, it's kind of like welcoming you into Chinatown. Instead of trying to cast fences around Chinatown and, and keeping the homeless out, it's about working with them and cleansing them and, and giving them wealth and prosperity as you come into Chinatown. So it's kind of a bad story that maybe we can turn into a beautiful story. I think at the end of the day, if it goes into a junkyard it's never seen again, that would be a waste. Leong says there's an alternate plan oh, that, uh, that he's kind of leaning towards. This is a proposal supported by the Chinese Benevolent Association. Uh, they want to see the uh, Harbin Gate in a different place, uh, south of the original spot. This would span 97th Street, just about 30 meters north of Jasper Avenue. Why there, though? Because like, that's not what I think of when I think of Chinatown. Mei Hung, who is with the uh, Chinese Benevolent Association, she's, she says that's the idea where uh, it was kind of uh, Chinatown's heyday. Oh. Uh, back in the past, that was the location where Chinatown was at its most vibrant in Edmonton's hmm. history. Uh, because of the construction of Canada Place, a lot of the Chinatown businesses in that area were forced to relocate. So they moved uh, farther north okay. into the existing Chinatown now. So this plan would not repurpose the old gate. It's just not big enough to span the five lanes of traffic on 97th Street. So they would have to make a new one. This is the option that the city is pursuing as well. Uh, they've been working with officials in Harbin, China, on the uh, new gate. Uh, Mary Ann Dobrinsky is the city's director of strategic and emerging investments. Uh, she says uh, those officials feel that incorporating pieces of the old gate into a new one just doesn't make sense because all that material is just too old. Right. So it just really doesn't fit into a new uh, gate. So the city is supporting the construction of what they call a new replica gate. They've kind of already set the stage for this. When they were doing the recent road work on 97th Street, they did do a little bit of work to kind of lay the groundwork for mm. uh, a new gate if that's the location that they chose. So they've already installed footings at that location uh, for any new potential gate. Wow. I mean, okay, so they've got the footings. They seem pretty yeah. committed to this option. So do we know what it, it may cost to get this new gate and who's actually paying for it? Yeah, the city's kind of reluctant to put a, a hard number on this. <laughs> fair. Um, uh, Zabrinsky says a, a $4 million estimate is, is is a fair number to use. That number's kind of been bandied about for a while. But she stresses that in a, in a COVID environment, uh, that could change easily because right. everything costs more now. The price of steel has gone up, for instance. So as for where that money would come from, well, the city's looking at uh, funding from the existing downtown arena community revitalization levy, or the CRL. That covers so much in downtown, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's the community revitalization levy was set up when the arena was built, and what it does, it basically takes tax revenue which came from all the additional development mm. uh, kind of over the existing baseline uh, tax levy for that area. Uh, anything above that is then used to pay off the arena, but the remaining funds can go to a variety of projects that uh, improve the downtown area. That could be anything from sewer upgrade, right. downtown parks, the Jasper Avenue streetscape improvements uh, okay. that uh, just wrapped up. But there's there's kind of a, 
a roadblock in the way. The city can't use the CRL funding currently because they've just proposed some amendments and the province has to sign off on that before the city can do this. So uh, the province is a little preoccupied <laughs> with a thing called the pandemic right now. I was going to say, we love so, bureaucracy. <laughs> yes. Another funding option the city is looking at are uh, grants from the province and the feds. Mm-hmm. And failing all of that, if, if none of those uh, uh, come through, the city will push to have the project included in its next uh, capital budget phase. Debrinsky admits that even she's a little frustrated in how long this is taking. I, I will admit it, but then at the same time, now that we couldn't actually build the gate until the construction on 97th Street's completed, and that's finishing up here this month. So I think we're still in a pretty good spot. We go back to the man with the plan, Yasushi Oki. <laughs> He's disputing those city figures, and he estimates it would only cost about a million dollars to resurrect the old gate. That's the move, that's the foundation work, that's any sort of contributions we could have made from sponsors. That's the rewelding and the redesign of how to attach the columns to the gate. And then there are a few tiles missing that we have to order and um, reapply to the gate. So there's definitely disagreement about which option would be cheaper. I find it kind of interesting that there's such a difference in the cost estimates. Yeah. Uh, Oki thinks there's some uh, political uh, finagling going on behind the scenes. He's got questions. The the city just wants, you know, its alternative and maybe it's, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of uh, trying to inflate the cost of the potential old uh, gate resurrection uh, to make the uh, replica look a little more uh, enticing. So Oki feels there is an opportunity, though, to not have to rely on the city to resurrect the old gate. He's uh, talking about uh, private funding through industry sponsorship. He's talking about the company that dismantled the original gate, perhaps uh, contributing towards uh, putting the old one in a new location. He's talking about community fundraising. So he's working on that plan currently. Uh, Meantime, Han Leong from the Chinatown Transformation Collaborative Society also says he can't just rely on governments for funding. And he thinks some crowdsourcing could be uh, a possibility source of uh, of funding. It's a really beautiful image, what this gate can mean to this Mm -hmm. community. And just kind of, yeah, it's so distinctive, right? Like as soon as you enter, you're like, right, this is Chinatown. But it does look like the city's leaning towards a new Harbin gate. So after all your reporting, how do you think that this is going to shake out? Well, because the the city is one that's really steering the ship, it's it's likely that any uh, new gate will be a, a replica over over 97th Street. Mm. Uh, however, uh, Marianne Dabrinsky from the city says uh, even though they prefer the construction of the new replica, it could also support bringing back the old gate at a, another location. But if the community can cover the costs. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't seem to uh, intent on paying for, for two projects here. And then right. they, they said that they could support it if the community has the resources to pay for it. I mean, I sound a little greedy here, but like two gates would be better than one. No? Yes? Maybe? <laughs> and my father-in-law always said one one is good, but two is better. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, he doesn't see this as a one or the other kind of scenario. Yeah. He says if, if the project to build a new gate goes ahead, that's great. But he's still going to push to have the old gate resurrected as well because he believes that much in the project and at some point we could be a two-gate city. Yeah, building gates, the most Edmonton thing you can do. You should put that on the side of the building. <laughs> this is my next tattoo. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ken, for bringing us the story and for the Ken-themed show. Yeah, I can hardly wait. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Min Ken Dariwal, Leslie Ken Goldstone, 
Corey Ken Haberstock, Christina Ken Silva, and James Ken Evans. And of course, thank you to Ken Dawson and Kenny Davidson who joined us on the episode. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Ken Bonnyman. Thank you as always for listening. There's always a lot more to know, so you can jump into the loop with us every Friday. You can also leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. We would love to hear mm-hmm. your thoughts. Or if you want to get in touch too, you can send us something. We have an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Yeah, send us a spooky email and uh, use the hashtag theloopcbc on social media or reach out to us on Twitter. I am at Min Dariwal and Claire is at Nami Knob. Yes, and currently named uh, Claire Boo Neeman for the oh, record. Yeah. yeah. You change, you're that person changes name like for the. Yeah, I was going to recommend one for you. I should do one. Sin Dariwal. Sin Dariwal? Ooh, eh? sin. <laughs> Maybe Min or the, Min or the sinner. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> hey, maybe I'll try that. Let's might as well. It's Halloween. Yeah, you got two days left. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, you can follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.